From LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. I'm your host, Ryan Dietrich. But what the market's trying to sort out right now and, and why we're higher today is that it looks like we're getting more evidence that new cases, COVID-19 cases, might be stabilizing. That's really the most important point here. If we can get that, and we don't know if it's coming today or, or, or next week or maybe even a little after that, but if we can get that, then we can start talking about really early planning for opening up this economy. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of the LPL Market Signals podcast. I'm Ryan Dietrich, and up on the line in Boston is Jeff Bookbinder. Jeff, how you doing up there? Doing well, thanks, Ryan. It's a sunny and pretty warm day here in Boston. Probably the nicest day we've had uh, in months. Yeah, it's. I think it's almost 80 degrees here in Charlotte. It's, it's a little bittersweet, though, because as of like literally this second, my wife and kids and I were supposed to be flying to Denver for a little spring break trip, and I know a lot of people are in a, the similar boat where spring break was unfortunately taken away from us this year. Do you guys have any plans to bookbinder household for spring break this year? Yeah, we did. It actually ties to uh, one of the things we're going to talk about today. We were supposed to be in New York City oh. next week, hmm. and uh, certainly it wasn't a tough decision to cancel that one, um, but um, certainly looking forward to... Uh, taking a little vacation as soon as um, um, we're cleared. Hopefully, uh, over the next couple of months, we can begin to get uh, life back to normal. No, I agree there. You know, speaking of life back to normal, so down here, we're only a couple hours away from Augusta. Actually, I went to Augusta a couple of months ago for a client event, and it was a neat little city. But the Masters was supposed to start this week, and that's obviously a timeless tradition uh, for all golf fans. But it looks like they're saying we might have a Masters in November is what uh, some of the early thinking is. And th the Final Four was supposed to be this weekend. Tonight would have been the championship game. So just think how different that uh, would have been. Would your Kansas Jayhawks been in it, you think? If the championship game, that, that might hurt even more to say yes, but what do you think? Yeah, I, I think uh, Kansas City and the surrounding area is now title town because we would have <laughs> won uh, the basketball championship uh, following the Chiefs' Super Bowl victory. All right, well, speaking of title town, I guess you'd say what Boston was, the original title town. I saw Gronk won a belt last night at the uh, WrestleMania, but nonetheless, we'll get off that. Um, so let's get into this week's weekly market commentary, Jeff. We're, different things we want to talk about, the, the immediate impact of the coronavirus with some potential uh, good news that's taking place right now. You know, the question of, is this just a bear market bounce? As we speak, I walk by the TVs, Dow up 1,000 points. Now, believe me, that's points. But on a percentage basis, stocks are up about 5% so far this morning, so the bear bounce potentially continues. And then we're just going to talk about, you know, this week and some other things that we're kind of watching just go around the circle. So, Jeff, first things first. Last week, the S&P was down about 2%. So, you know, relatively calm, if you all things considered. On the volume side of things, volume was the lightest we'd seen in over a month. Now, believe me, there were still some pretty big swings, but different than what we've seen over the past six weeks before that. But the thing that caught my attention was the VIX, the volatility gauge, the fear gauge. On a percentage basis, the VIX went down approximately 29%. What's that mean? Well, previous times we've seen a VIX implosion during a week on the weekly basis like that was after the U.S. election in 2016, November 2016, then right after Brexit at the end of June in 2016. So this, in my opinion, is kind of the fear ball, as we'll call it, and kind of being deflated a little bit. So some of that fear is coming out. That can be a good thing. I mean, Jeff, what caught your attention in last week's trading action? Because it was um, potentially a constructive week. Yeah, I mean, last week we talked about um, you know what we would like to see in the coming trading week, and one of the things we talked about was lower volatility. Yep. 
right? And and boy, uh, we got it. I mean, uh, I tweeted out late last week that, uh, you know, 2% weekly move just feels like unchanged given where we've, we've come from. So um, I, I think uh, it, it was a clear positive step for markets to, to settle down here. Uh, yeah, I mean, a, a 1% down day almost feels like a win anymore. You know, one quote that kind of was gravitating in my head over really over the past couple of weeks is Jack Bogle. He said the stock market is a giant distraction to the business of investing. And you think about that. We had a 34 35% correction, all the fear. Now we're bouncing. But from a longer-term point of view, you know, the news and the stock market do scare so many investors. I mean, Jeff, you know, this week or last week, for instance, I did a lot of conference calls. And, you know, the question comes up, should I just go to cash? I can't take this anymore. Go to cash, go to gold, whatever it is. I mean, what do you – what? When you talk to clients, I know you do the exact same stuff I do. I think the answer is no, don't just go to cash right here. But what do you think? Should people dollar cost average in, or what's the best advice for an investor right now, uh, today, listening to this podcast? Yeah, for most people, it's, it's stay the course. I mean, unless you, um, you know, raise cash coming into this and you have a lot of dry powder, we'd, we'd probably stay the course right here. Now, for folks uh, who are really tactical, and maybe more aggressive, more risk tolerance. We we might think about nibbling. Uh, we're still down, you know, twenty three percent or so off the high from February. Right. Uh, and you know, if you look longer term, you know, market history tells us that um, you know when you're down this much, it's a good buying opportunity for you know a year, two years, three years. Uh, so we're continuing to focus on the long term, and stocks still look really cheap here, especially relative to bonds. No, good points. I mean, you know, the reality is we did just have a 35% correction. And if you look back at market history, when you're down over 30% or more in a bear market, the fastest we've ever taken to recover those losses was 20 months after 1987. So the reality of the fact is to get back to those highs that we made on, I guess it was February 19th, feels like 10 years ago. Uh, but those highs, it, it's going to take a while. But this also was the fastest bear market in history, just a violent half of a V straight down. So maybe we can make it a little sooner if we get some positive news. Um, but, Jeff, you know, other stuff that caught my attention last week, crude oil up 50% from the lows. Now, trust me, crude oil has been annihilated. But still, crude oil finding some, some type of bounce there. My take was... Crude oil was really volatile before the stock market was, so maybe we need a bottom in crude before we can find something in the stock market. Then just globally, last week, Europe did pretty good. On a relative basis, Europe was flat. Italy, which was obviously the epicenter of where all this stuff started as it pertains to uh, Europe, Italy held tough. So just um, it was actually, I think they were pretty much flat for the week, so some positives. Now, Jeff, last week, the negatives, and maybe I'll not to give you the negatives, but the claims number, 6.6 million jobs, initial claims, an all-time record. The week before, we had 3.3. I saw that was a 28 standard deviation event, meaning it shouldn't happen in our lifetime, our kids' lifetime, grandparents' lifetime, great-grandparents, great You get the, I think it was like six or seven generations. That wasn't supposed to happen. And then the next week, it actually was more jobs uh, lost with initial claims. What were your take on the initial claims and maybe the monthly jobs number that we got on Friday as well? Yeah, just more evidence that the economy uh, grinded to a halt uh, in uh, late March with the uh, travel restrictions, business shutdowns, social distancing, uh, all of that. Uh, certainly, retail and travel businesses hardest hit. There's a study uh, over the weekend. Uh, that I saw Wall Street Journal basically saying that a quarter of the economy is shut down. You know, that is um, yeah. 
historic, and certainly <clears throat> the job losses uh, fit with that narrative. But what the market's trying to sort out right now and, and, and why we're higher today is that it looks like we're getting more evidence that new cases, COVID-19 cases, might be stabilizing. That's really the most important point here. Because if we can get that, and we don't know if it's coming today or, or, or next week or maybe even a little after that, but if we can get that, then we can start talking about at least early planning for opening up this economy. Europe's already starting to talk about it. Right. You just mentioned Europe. We're kind of following their playbook, right? We're getting to the point where we can start talking about that in, in the U.S., but that doesn't take away from the fact that this is going to be a really, really tough week. No, exactly. President Trump did say yesterday there's a potential light at the end of the tunnel. The Surgeon General, though, compared this upcoming week to R-9-11, R Pearl Harbor, with the number of cases that are just going to explode and, and potentially the number of deaths, deaths that take place. The one thing that got everyone's attention last week, and rightfully so, the White House announced potentially 100,000, between 100,000 and 240,000 people in the United States could die from the COVID-19 uh, pandemic. And, you know, the numbers, I believe, were up to, f I mean, I should know this, five or 6,000 U.S. deaths right now, Jeff, right, approximately? I think we're, uh, yeah, I mean, every day, it, 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 tragically, it does go, that was probably over the weekend. But none, nonetheless, we had some maybe good news. Bill Gates came out on Sunday in an interview and did say that if we continue to do the social distancing, and he's saying we need to do this, you know, for several several more months, potentially, but if we can do that, those numbers the White House gave could be wildly too high, which is obviously a, a, a really um, potentially good thing. I mean, Jeff, so let's talk about flattening the curve. I mean, at the, at the simplest level, you kind of talked about it, but let's just do this for people who might be new to the podcast or listening. What does flattening the curve even mean? Yeah, it means slowing the growth of new cases, mm -hmm. right? I mean, eventually, uh, we want the curve to fall, right? The uh, pandemic or epidemic follow this normal distribution, this normal curve. It's, you know, you climb the mountain, you get to the other side, uh, you know, call it a, an upside down beat. Yep. So we're not quite at the point in the U.S. where we're seeing new cases fall daily, but we are seeing signs that we may have seen a peak uh, of new cases. So we'll have to wait and see over the next few days. This is a critically important week. I mean, the, you know, I'm in Boston. We just uh, had a curfew instituted, and um, now we're you know, being told by the White House not to even go to the grocery store or the pharmacy if you're in hard-hit areas. So this is really um, a key week. Everybody, please do your part uh, so that you know, we can't just flatten the curve. We can literally turn it south. Now, are you in one of the hard-hit areas where you live? Are you allowed to go to the grocery store if you want? Um, we are allowed to go to the grocery mm -hmm. store, yeah. but it is being advised right. that we don't. Okay. Well, can't can't argue with that. Well, good luck up there. I mean, we're allowed to go around places here in South Carolina, but obviously it's really come to a screeching halt. You know, so looking at the claim, look at the last Friday's jobs number for a second, Jeff. 701,000 jobs were lost. The thing that you need to be aware, that's the first month in 113 months of positive jobs gains. The thing to remember is the almost 10 million initial claims took place the last two weeks of the month of March. That monthly jobs number in March actually didn't really include those. So 
we're going to see some just terrible, horrific jobs numbers coming forward. It reminds me of, you know, what's going on with people losing their jobs. 417,000 of the jobs that were lost last month, so over half of them, came from the food and drinking places, specifically restaurants and bars. And that's not shocking because that's clearly the industry being hit hardest. Jeff, that reminds me of the Chris Rock quote. He says, you can't do anything you want, but you can be anything you want to be that you're good at as long as they're hiring. And you think about that clearly. People are not hiring right now. I mean, I, well, some good news. I mean, most people aren't hiring. Literally on my way up here, though, walking to the studio, there are a lot of people LPL is hiring. So so we're doing okay. We're hiring. But, Jeff, you know, a lot of these jobs that I just mentioned, the 417,000 that were just lost, the reality of the fact in the restaurant industries, at least specifically in bars, those aren't coming back anytime soon. I mean, do you think companies will just flip the switch and be right back to hiring uh, when we get past this? I'm skeptical of that, I guess. What What are your takes there? Well, I, I sure hope that we can ramp up pretty fast, but I mm -hmm. think it's reasonable to think that, you know, a lot of people are going to hesitate, right? It's not going to be, unfortunately, life going right back to normal right. uh, in May or June. So, you know, the travel industry, uh, hotels, certainly uh, the restaurants and bars that you mentioned, uh, it's going to take some time. And, and I think um, uh, the, the risk that this thing comes back in the fall uh, is something we can't uh, completely dismiss. So li life will change. We'll, we'll adjust to it. Um, but, um, you know, the, the, this U, maybe it's a U-shaped recovery. Right. It's probably going to be something that takes place over at least six to nine months. No, exactly. And if there's any positive, and believe me, there's not much positive what's going on with the economy and the job losses. But again, we'd like to reiterate the stock market is a forward-looking mechanism. And if all of the extremely negative news doesn't happen, that's kind of why we potentially can continue to see some gains and why when you look at Europe, why Europe is actually holding in there. And even we've talked a lot, China, China's stock market, although they're closed today due to a holiday on Monday as we record this, Chinese stock markets have really done quite well over all relative, but quite well over the past uh, month and a half. So Jeff, it looks like we've got maybe about six or seven more minutes. So let's go to the final thing we were going to talk about, which is the idea that this might be a potential bear market bounce. Now I'll just lay out some high level things. You look back on market history, you tend to see 20% bounces in the middle of major bear markets from the from the financial crisis to the uh, tech bubble that burst. You get some significant, significant bounces in the middle of a really significant big haircut. I mean, Jeff, we're approximately, well, we'll see where we close today. But before today, we had about a 17.5% bounce in only three days on the S&P 500, which kind of smelled like a bear market rally. And the one thing that I noticed was small caps were getting killed. Last week, small caps were down 7%. Okay, S&P was down 2 If you look back at every, every major low we've made the last 30 years, small caps tend to do better off those lows. So that's one thing I want to see. I mean, what's your take on the idea this is a bear market rally and we might kind of pull back, maybe not retest the lows, but definitely pull back enough to scare people? Yeah. You know, normally, I mean, the odds of a retest in a bear market or something like 60, 70%. So right off the bat, you're thinking this is this is possible. Mm -hmm. But what makes this situation so unique is just how quickly, potentially, at least investors could see that this recession is coming to an end and, the, and, and economic growth is resuming. It's going to be 
a very, very sharp contraction, sharper than anything we've ever seen, even including the Great Depression. But once people can start getting back to work and resume normal life, business can open again, we're likely to see the market look ahead. You just mentioned the market is a forward-looking mechanism, right? We're likely to see the market look ahead uh, and, and, and move higher, especially if the cases have stabilized and started to uh, come down. So that tells me that this might not be uh, a situation where we have to retest because the end of the recession could potentially be in view here uh, very soon. No, I, I to- totally agree there. And the idea of, I think I mentioned this last week on the podcast, just about everyone, including us for what it's worth, was pointing out how you tend to see retests on these major, major lows. You know, I went back to the early 60s when you had more than 1,000 new 52-week lows on the S&P, I'm sorry, on the NYSE. We just said 1,300, one of the most vicious washouts of all time. The previous 10 times, you know, a year later, nine times, the S&P was actually higher, nearly 20% on average. But a one month to three months later, you get some back and fill, and it takes about six weeks on average to have a retest, and that is what the playbook tells us. But, Jeff, you know, another good quote, I think, Yogi Berra, I mean, he's got so many good quotes. He says, torture the numbers long enough, and they'll tell you anything you want to hear. Now, here's what we do know. The Fed is a backstop. There's the old don't fight the Fed saying, Jeff, here's some numbers. The last two weeks, the Fed increased their balance sheet $1.1 trillion, an all-time record over two weeks, to an all-time record $5.8 trillion. M2 money supply year over year is the highest we've seen since after 9-11. I mean, the reality is the Fed is doing a lot of things, even more than it did during the financial crisis, to try to bring back confidence and liquidity. They're not going to solve the problem. Scientists and social distancing and doctors will do that. But if we get to the other side, my oh my, there's a lot of kindling, is there not? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, we're down 22, 23% from the high. So right. there's a lot of ground to make up here, right? We know that when you, you know, when you get cut in half, you have to double to get back to where you started, right? Yep. You're going to have this, the combination of containing the virus, massive, massive stimulus, right? And then the market seeing an economic recovery. Uh, could drive a snapback. So it's hard to say whether we're going to get a snapback before we get a little bit of a retest, but a real powerful rally is probably coming. And by the way, we'll also probably see one of the sharpest economic rebounds we've ever seen coming out of this just because of how how, uh, dramatically the economy has contracted here over the last uh, month or two. Uh, Exactly. I mean, you know, in the first quarter, S&P lost exactly 20%. That was the worst first quarter since... um well, since ever, I guess. What I was getting at was it was stocks were down 14% in March. It was the worst March since Germany invaded Austria in 1938. So some really historic uh, signs, and, and on, a, on a very different levels of looking at it, March was the most volatile month that we've ever seen in stock market history, even above ni- October of 1929. So a lot of different things taking place there. But Jeff, you know, at least for this week. Well, first off, everybody, hopefully they're at home, but officially can get Friday off um, with, with, the, with the upcoming holiday that's coming up. At least markets are closed. So what should investors be on the lookout for, Jeff, this week? Last week we said, let's get some calm coming in. We did. The VIX went down a lot, and that was a positive. What should investors be on the lookout this week on a potentially, on a shortened holiday week? 
Ryan, I think that the Fed minutes are going to be interesting. <laughs> you know, no one's ever said that before. It's so boring. <laughs> true. You know, to see what they were thinking uh, as they made their emergency moves in mid-March. Uh, I wouldn't put uh, too much weight on jobless claims. You know, we all know that unemployment is going to be in the you know low double digits uh, at its worst during this crisis. Some people just have not been able to get their filings for unemployment insurance through the system, which is clearly being overwhelmed. So we'll see another, maybe another couple few million of jobless claims, but it's really part of one story. The economy shut down a lot of, or at least a significant portion of the economy uh, shut down, but the market knows about how bad this recession is going to be and um, is already starting to look to the other side. Yeah, I mean, just building on that in this week's weekly market commentary that Jeff and I with Burt White, we all put together. We know I noted that this is the worst first quarter ever, uh, down 20%. But previous first quarters, it lost 10% for the S&P 500. It only happened six times going back to World War II. And or I'm sorry, going back to the Great Depression. The, f- the final three quarters of the year, so the rest of the year, is up an average of nearly 40%, five out of six times higher. Now, by no means are we predicting that type of a rally. But, you know, maybe half of that or so from what we just saw, 20 25% rally is, is, is as crazy as it sounds on the surface. A massive drop lower. History does tell us things can improve. And with the fiscal, we didn't even talk about fiscal policy, with the fiscal policy that's in play, uh, with the $2 trillion plan and probably another, another plan of fiscal uh, stimulus coming down the pike with the Fed. If we can get to the other side of this, um, there is a there are some reasons to think we can bounce um, fairly significantly. We just have to get there. Jeff, we've got about a minute to go. Um, any last-minute uh, comments for, for the listeners this week? Yeah, I think I'll just reiterate. We can start thinking about the process of reopening this economy. Um, it, markets are sniffing it out. Uh, the signs, early signs, but still signs of stabilization in uh, new cases in New York City and the success they've had with containment measures in Europe uh, suggests that possibly within the next week or two, this crisis will have peaked. So that, um, you know, that will, uh, that's a key milestone in trying to get uh, to the point where we can reopen the economy. Uh, Long-term investors should be thinking about that and, uh, you know, potentially um, adding equities here if they're, uh, Potentially more conservatively positioned now, uh, we think, or if um, you know they have a high risk tolerance. No, I can't add anything to that. That was a great way to end it. I will say, if you listen to this podcast on Tuesday of this week, Tuesday is actually National Beer Day, so we've all been through a lot. So maybe celebrate accordingly uh, at the, in the confines of your home, but enjoy National Beer Day. So Jeff, thanks for being here this week. Thank you for all of our listeners. We'll be back next week, and everyone enjoy a potential uh, nice holiday weekend. See everyone next week. Take care. Bye-bye. This material was provided by LPL Financial, is for general information only, and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. There is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. Investing involves risks, including possible loss of principal. Any economic forecasts set forth in the podcast may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets, asset classes, and sectors are generally regarded the corresponding market index. All index 
expenses are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment. All performance reference is historical and it's no guarantee of future results. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. Securities and advisory services offered through Oakdale Financial, a registered investment advisor, and broker-dealer. Member FINRA and SIPC. Insurance products are offered through LPL or its licensed affiliates. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered investment advisor that is not an LPL affiliate, please note LPL makes no representation with respect to such entity. If your financial professional is located at a bank or credit union, Please note that the bank or credit union is not registered as a broker-dealer or investment advisor. These products and services are being offered through LPL or its affiliates, which are separate entities from and not affiliates of the bank or credit union. Securities and insurance offered through LPL or its affiliates are not insured by the FDIC or NCUA or any government agency. Not bank or credit union guaranteed, not bank or credit union deposits or obligations, and may lose value.